Hello, welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. My name is Tomas Martinez. This awesome podcast is brought to you by Luxury Home Magazine and Spanish Grove Academy. Today, I have to tell you, we have an amazing guest. And I kind of put something together because I, I felt like I really had to read this to, in order for you to truly understand the person that's sitting across from me right now. Uh, today, I'm honored to have my mentor, my friend on TM3 Impact, the person that I would say other than my parents, my wife and my son, no other person has had the influence on my life like the guest that I have today, Brad Taylor. I'm I so have, glad you're here. I have no words. Yeah. And Brad, no Brad and his amazing wife, and if, if, if you ever get a chance to meet Brad's wife, you'll know why Brad is so awesome. Because Kathy is twice as awesome. Wouldn't you agree, Brad? Without her, yeah. I would not be awesome. It's, that's exactly right. She makes me awesome. <laughs> that's exactly right. But, uh, you know, you took Christina and I under your wing. Your mentorship has changed the trajectory of our entire family legacy. Um, and so I'm super honored to have you here, to be sitting across from you. You're in San Antonio. Can't believe it. This is, I mean, fourth, hello. Fourth time. Yes. Fourth time. I love it. And it, it sounds like to me, I mean, I hope none of the other publishers with Luxury Home Magazine get jealous. Uh, but now that your son is living in Austin, this could be uh yeah, you know, this knows. could be a, a reoccurring event. Maybe I'll move here. Papacitos fajitas. Yeah. You you did hear that, Gabe. He said he's gonna move here. I heard it. I said, I said maybe. <laughs> All right, Brad. So here's the deal. You're you're on TM3 Impact. I think, you know, a lot of times I will read people's, you know, I'll kind of read a little bit about their, you know, their story. Um, I think the one thing that that I think I want to share and make sure everybody knows is that you created and, and started Luxury Home Magazine as we know it. And, I, and I'm going to get to that in a minute because but I want to go back. Um, I think the interesting thing that I want to begin with is the early days. I want to go back to your paper route. That could be scary. Yeah, I want to go back to the paper route. Okay. T tell me, what did you learn back then during that paper route that you brought to Luxury Home Magazine, that you brought to all of your businesses as a serial entrepreneur that you are? Probably the biggest thing was customer service. Okay. Because when you have a... In the olden days, they don't do it today, but... You know, you could have a paper route, and I had multiple paper routes. And uh, boy, the stories I could tell you doing a paper route. Yeah. But uh, you had to treat your client well, or you would get a lot of complaints. And boy, did I get complaints. Because when you're 12 years old, you don't know what you're doing. And you're responsible for collecting money and paying the percentage to the driver. You know, and at 12 years old and 13 years old, that's a huge responsibility. So uh, talk me. it also taught me work ethic, mm. you know. Tell me about that. Well, every day when you came home from school, you had to deliver your paper six days a, six days a week. Okay. Rain, snow, I was out there delivering the paper. Nice. And then I eventually turned it over to my brother, and he continued to deliver the paper. 
And then while I was doing the paper out, I started a landscaping business. Okay. So I borrow my dad's tractor and go cut people's lawns. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was very, I tell my kids the stories, but they don't want to hear them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kids you know, today, they, it's a little they, different. It's, it's, they, they can't appreciate. As a matter of fact, I even have to have sometimes my brother verify the stories. <laughs> Because they don't believe it. Of a dog jumping, <laughs> a German shepherd jumping through the screen door, and I'm trying to block myself with my bike so oh. I don't get bit. But, yeah, it was, it was, I wouldn't take it back. It was yeah. awesome. It was the beginning. It was the beginning. It was the beginning. So, um, you know, as a young man growing up, who would you say had the biggest impact on you your, your life when you were younger and growing up, kind of thinking about this whole entrepreneur business, who had the biggest impact? Before I had my first job? Sure. Before I had my first job, I would spend my summers prior to the paper route with my grandfather. And my grandfather was a, had his own plumbing business. So I would spend literally three months, two and a half months every summer, and he would... Uh, Every day we would be out there and his customers loved him. They just made him cookies and I mean, let me tell you, talking about customer service, this guy did it right. He had it down. He had it down. Yeah. And to the day he passed, he's he he was awesome. Yeah. He was so my first real entrepreneurship experience was probably with my grandfather. Okay. Because for for several years, every summer, we would just hang out. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. That's cool. Big so biggest lesson was customer service. What do you think was number two that he taught you? Work ethic. Work ethic. Yeah. That's that's a common theme. Yeah. Well, it's I, like my dad. My dad yeah. my dad worked for the same company for over forty years. Okay. And I'll tell you, that's not many people today work for the same company no. for forty years. No. That doesn't happen. Yeah. It's very rare. All right, so you 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 land your first big job, right? And I, we talked about that a little bit last night. And you land your first big job. What do you think that job taught you the most? Work ethic. Work ethic. <laughs> Here it is again. I love it. Work ethic. Yeah. And my first my first full time job. Yeah. Was awesome. To this day. It was priceless. It was better than any schooling. Tell me about it. Well, it, it, uh, you know, it taught me to be responsible. It taught me, you know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. It, when I was younger, I would go to the library and read books about Henry Ford, Thomas Edison. I just couldn't, I loved reading about successful people. And we're talking, you know, when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. But getting my first full-time job, I really enjoyed it. I loved what I did. Um, I went to, I tried to go to school, college. It just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. So I probably, maybe two years, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I was just hungry to learn about entrepreneurship, yeah. business, and uh, 
I was very fortunate that two of the mentors in the business were very successful. Uh, one of my mentors was Bernie Shulman and his wife, Terry Shulman. Okay. And Bernie Shulman started Revco Drugstore okay. in the uh, mid-50s. And Revco was the largest drug chain um, in the early 60s. And he retired uh, in the early 60s. But came back in the 70s and started Bernie Shulman's. And Bernie Shulman's was like incredible. It was uh, it was this massive retail discount drugstore, uh, probably five times the size of a regular drugstore. Okay. Massive warehouse. And so when I got my first job, I was in charge of the warehouse. Uh, uh, the logistics, receiving. We had literally, there could be 15 trucks waiting to be unloaded. You're talking pallets and pallets and pallets of merchandise coming off each truck. Yeah. And um, Bernie was a registered pharmacist, and he was always dressed in a white shirt and tie, and he would come back, and he'd ask me questions. And he'd say, you know, talk to me about your family. You know, why, why do you like working here? Um, what's your goals? And every day he'd come back and ask me another question. And yeah. he would pick up on our last conversation. And to this day, I still apply those same principles yeah. to people that work for us. That's right. Represent us. But, uh, yeah. That's cool. Now, you think that was the time where you really understood and started learning customer service from Bernie? Well, I think it was more Terry Shulman. Terry Shulman, um, okay. Terry Shulman ran the real operations. Bernie unfortunately passed away about a year and a half after I started. Okay. And uh, Terry Shulman, she was just incredible. Um, and I would say she probably was my first true mentor. Okay. In the business world. And I, and I have to tell people out there that if you have somebody that has helped you don't wait until it's too late to tell them how much you appreciate it. Yeah. Them. I mean, literally call them up, email them, tell them how much they changed your life. Yeah. Because sometimes we wait and then it's too late. That's a good point. Brian. And I say that in my book. Yeah. But, um, Terry was really my first true mentor in the business world. And one of the things she taught me is don't ever ask somebody to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah. And to this day, you know, I'll vacuum, I'll take the garbage out in the office. I don't want, you know, it's the old saying, treat the janitor the same you, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's to me, you know, that's part of, I guess, leadership as well though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But she was huge on customer service. She was huge on, you know, when you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So last night, one of the things you did, the story, that, and, and we've talked about it quite a bit. It, it's, it's the idea that it, at one point you decide, you know what, um, I'm, I'm going to move my family across the country. Right. And 
you know, the, the story, you're, you're, you're in the, the Applebee's, as you told me. Was it Applebee's? No, it was some family-friendly restaurant yeah. in Sarasota, Florida. Okay, so you're in Sarasota, Florida. You, you, you have this idea that you're going to go across the country and start a magazine. Right. And, and so I would imagine, you know, fear had to play a huge part and what you are about to do, and what you're about to announce to your father-in-law, that, hey, um, I'm going to move your daughter, and we're moving, and we're going across the country. Talk a little bit about fear and how that relates to entrepreneurs. Well, there's a lot of segments of fear. We all have fear. I mean, you know, before we get to that story, I have, you know, we moved from originally, so, so make a long story short, I moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Sarasota, um, there, I did multiple retail businesses. Some were successful, some were not so successful. And I decided to get out of the retail business, and one of my sales reps in the retail business told me about this awesome opportunity uh, with, in the magazine business. So uh, I checked it out, did my due diligence, did my market surveys, did everything I needed to do. And uh, I, uh, we were really excited. We, we had gone to Portland, Oregon. We were excited about moving there. We were excited about the opportunity. And uh, we sat my father-in-law and mother-in-law down in this family-friendly restaurant, and I laid out <laughs> all the samples of what we were gonna do and all the materials. Right. And my wife and I were just waiting for them to come in and, you know, talking about getting thrown down, thrown under the rug. So we, 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 they walk in and we talk and I show them all the different examples of, of what we're going to be doing. And he says, well, where are you going to be doing this? And I said, well, we're going to be moving 3,500 miles to <laughs> Portland, Oregon. And He's the guy up from the table and he said some words I'm not going to say on the air. Yeah, don't repeat them. And uh, he stood up and was pointing his finger. Yeah. And I never heard him like this before. Yeah. And everybody in the restaurant is kind of looking around at him screaming. Yeah. And I said to my wife, I don't exactly know how it went, but I remember this. I took her hand. I said, we're going to go. We walked to the car. I don't know if my father-in-law was still standing or not. And uh, we got in the car, and I said to my wife, I guess we're on our own. Mm. And uh, is, that, you, is that, did you feel the fear even more at that point? I d didn't even know what, to, we just sat in the car. I don't even know how long, and. Yeah, it was bad. It was tough. It was it was probably the worst of everything. That was probably the worst experience I've ever had. <clears throat> but here's the positive thing. We did it. Yeah, you and did. and every time I mention this to my father-in-law, <laughs> and and I think my father-in-law is mentioned about sixty times in the book. Right. He said he's going to hire a litigation attorney and sue me. <laughs> So every time I mention this to my father-in-law, he says, oh, well, I did it just to, just, to, just to get you all, you know, to make you successful. 
But let me tell you, there was no positive motivation in what he said. Right, right. Now, I, now I've met your father-in-law. Oh, yeah. He, I, like, literally, he's, like, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. I mean, I just, I'm envisioning, you know, when they make the movie of this, Brad, when they, when they, when they do the, uh, the movie version of this, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, they've got to get someone that has that nice personality that just, it just comes out in a rage. Well, you know, you know, I can't see him getting upset. You know, I asked my mother-in-law. Nobody wants to talk about it. See, they don't want to go back and oh, Of course. It. So I asked my mother-in-law, I said, so... Remember that when this happened, and I'm reading her the script of my book oh. of what I keep because I every time I talk to them, I always go back to the script. This is so is this correct? <laughs> so my mother-in-law says the only word she had for me to put in the book yeah. was she was mortified. Yeah. Well, she was she, that was so out of character for him. She was totally mortified of what what had happened. So yeah. anyway, to make a long story short, yeah. Within a month. Moving, we moved. I moved. I went there ahead. I probably went there two months before Kathy came. And the real, the real, I think it really hit me when the 40 foot moving truck shows up. Because if this didn't work, we invested everything we had into making this venture, yep. this journey a success. Yep. If this didn't work, I don't know. I'd be working wherever just to put food on the table. Right. This had to work. Right. It had to work. So, so my motivation really was to prove to my father-in-law yeah. that we were going to be successful. I love it. Now, I, I, you, I, don't, I don't have this in my notes, but it, it, it's, it, there's a memory coming up because you, you talked about this quite a bit. In um, when we first started talking about motivational tapes, and you told me that you had some motivational tapes in your car that literally fueled you every day that you would go out. Oh yeah, big time. Tell, big time. tell me, tell me about those tapes. Well, one of the one once one motivational speaker that I really loved was Les Brown. Oh yeah, and let me tell you, this guy. This guy, I don't think, I think it was my father-in-law and Les Brown because, you know, if you don't have a, if you don't have a white chalk mark around your body, it's a great day. That's I mean, that's day. literally, yeah. you know, I mean, he motivated me. When I was down, he picked me up. Yeah. I don't know how I would have gotten through the first four months without listening to a motivational cassette tape that's the things you used to put in the car <laughs> before the cd but right. as a matter of fact when i wrote my book i asked the one of the editors can i did people know what a cassette tape is yeah well th i think this is important for any entrepreneur that that that's listening is there comes a point where you you will be tested uh whether it be fear whether it be how am I going to make it? They're there. You are going to have moments of doubt, of frustration, of, you know, all of that and above. And what you're putting in your mind is so important. And it's just as important as what is you're putting in your body. And I think people can lose sight of that. And that's why podcasts are so important because that's why you can download them you can, you can download them. them you can listen to them at any time you know something like this where you know you're sharing your story but it's positive it's something that is it can uplift and it could say listen 
if you want to move across the country and you want to start a business and where you put every penny into it, you can do it. And we didn't, somebody else we, has, but we didn't know anybody. We had no family. We had nobody. I mean, trust me when I tell you, we knew no one. And, uh, I just felt this was the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so, so t- leaving, leaving the retail business, this was a complete paradigm shift. Right. But I, but here's what I will tell you. You know, in my years in the in the retail business, yeah. In the in the mid 70s till the mid 90s, um, you know, what made us in in the retail business if if you don't have customer service, you're not going to be successful. Right. And I applied a lot of the same principles that I took from the retail business into the publishing business right. at the time. But but talking about fear, fear, there's always a little voice in your head. Yeah. And this voice is trying to talk you out of doing what you want to do. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, when I made that commitment to move across the United States, there was no turning back. Right. I mean, I mean literally, you know, <laughs> you it, were it, not going to go when, back when to you, your father-in-law. When, when you're in, when you're in sales, there's a voice telling you or when you have to get up and speak to an audience, there's a voice, but I'm going to tell you there is, there is, there is nothing like taking your entire family moving across the United States, and I mean, it's do or die. Right. So that th- that's where there has to be a belief, right? And you talk about this in your book, which we'll get to, but there has to be a belief in your ability, right? A belief in the product, a belief that. It's possible, which is one of Les Brown's, one of his famous uh, uh, speeches. It's possible. Um, talk about belief and what what you know. What was it for you that really you know? What was the belief? Well, unfortunately, if I had to do it back, I probably would have studied the product a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. took it. I took it with. I I didn't know the product. If knowing what I know now yeah. about research, research is so important in pursuing anything. I mean, it's all about the research, you know, your research is your homework, but I didn't know a lot about the product. I just knew after I talked to someone, this seemed like an awesome opportunity. And for me, I wanted to open something that I could have multiple, um, magazines so that that was my end goal my end goal was to to not just move there for one magazine was to move there to do multiple magazines so i think i got past fear really quickly because when i sat when my father-in-law told me i was going to fail when other people told us we were going to fail they didn't tell us we were going to fail they told us we would be back in six months oh wow yeah They, they gave us a time frame yeah. And and literally it took 6 months just to launch the first magazine. Okay. But fear you, you weren't getting paid. No. At all. No. Yeah. I literally was on fumes of yeah. of funds. I mean literally, yeah. So so I think this is really important because um you know, you 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 take this venture 
And it, it, let's just fast forward because because I really want to I want to make sure we talk about the book. What ends up happening is how many books did you end up starting after moving, you know, 3,500 miles, going to Portland? How many books did you eventually open up a, a, as a company? Um, we this moved, is prior to LHM, Luxury yeah, Home Magazine. Yeah, this is be way before LHM. I, I, in, in 1994, we launched our first book, and uh, within five years, we had 14 real estate-type magazines and several other magazines, apartments, senior magazines, etc. Wow. Yeah. And so within five years, you went from literally fumes, fumes. to you are it's just a whole different oh, world yeah. for it you was, and your it was family. awesome it it uh, we loved what we did yeah we loved the people we loved the camaraderie yeah but um we saw a need for a different type of magazine yes and it was time for a change so that change came right. um you started selling some of your magazines right. uh and, and then you started luxury Home magazine can you talk brief kind of briefly about that transition well Luxury Home Magazine really started with, uh, there was a gentleman in, uh, in Portland um, who worked with a lot of realtors. Okay. And uh, he uh, really wasn't in the magazine business. Um, he was more of a designer. And he uh, started this magazine that was small, uh, landscape size, and uh, one day we got in the mail, and my wife and I were thinking of opening something. We already had to come up with a name. So we, uh, I saw this magazine come in the mail, and uh, I said to my wife, I'm going to meet with this guy. So I met him at Starbucks, and within a month, we uh, purchased his magazine. Mm -hmm. And within six months, we changed the name, the size, uh, and... Uh, we uh, applied the same principles we did with the other magazine business mm -hmm. into operating Luxury Home Magazine, but it was a completely different clientele. Right. In other words, 98% of the clients that we dealt with in the greater Portland market didn't advertise in Luxury Home Magazine because it was catering to very influential realtors, High-end listings. Right. It was a who's who in the market. Right. So you launch in Portland. We launch in Portland. And how how long did it take for it to really take off? We hit close to 100 pages within a year. Really? Yeah. I did not know that, Brad. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a year and a half, but it was pretty soon. It, you So it got moving quick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you know that you were onto something completely different? Than what you were doing before? Well, you know, in those days, I say in those days, your website was really basic. Right. There was no social media. Zero. That was, this is 2004? The, the only social media out there was really AOL. Okay. I mean, you know, so no, it, no digital platform. Was this 2004? Am I getting my dates 2003. right? 2003. Three, okay. So there was, you know, very little, I mean... You know, it was basically just the old-fashioned way of... Right. But, uh, yep. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh, we we built it really on just uh, 
relationships. Right. Yeah. To this day, it's the same way. Yeah, it's the same way. It's the same way. So when when you began in Portland, that was 15 years ago. Is that right? It's uh, they're on their 16th. 16th, issue, yeah, yeah, 16th issue. Yeah. So 15 years ago, did you ever at any point back then? You know, you're 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 sitting there. You've got a book. Uh, it's a couple years old. It's doing really really well. Did you ever see that the book would be across the U.S.? No, had it, no. Had no, no really? Sense. No. So here's the deal. So, so we sold all of our other magazines. Yeah. So, if you know anything about Portland, it rains about eight months of the year. So, I I had to move out of Portland. So we brought in this awesome gentleman that uh, came aboard, and uh, his name was Emil. Emil Rock. On Piglio. Yeah. And uh, Emil and I ran the book together for a couple of years. And one day I uh, said to Emil, no, I took Emil to a, a car dealership. I remember this is a great story. I took Emil to a car dealership and, it was, and, and I said, uh, I said uh, which, which color do you like? We were looking at cars and I said, what, co- what colors do you like when you, when you, when, if you were going to buy a car? Because he thought I was buying a car. And he says, uh, whatever color. And I says, here, let's test drive this car. So we're test driving this car and and uh, we end, we leave the dealership purchasing this vehicle. And I said to Emil, I said, "This is going to be your vehicle. I'm giving it to you because I'm moving to uh, I'm moving to Sacramento." Right. And uh, my goal was to open a book in Sacramento, have the Portland book, and live happily ever after. Just two books. That, that was, was it. it. That was my goal. Oh my goodness. That was my goal. I, I, you know, I, it was it was time to slow down. Right. Okay. So so that was the idea of going to Sacramento was almost to kind of slow down. Right. That's so interesting. And it's a really nice area. We live in El Dorado Hills, which is between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. It's beautiful. So we uh, we get the same no humidity. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like San Antonio. No. Brad woke up and he was already sweating <laughs> as soon as he got outside. So um, as we're as we're launching our first book in Sacramento, I start getting phone calls of people inquiring how to do a book. Really? Open a magazine. How were they finding you? Through the internet? Was well, this one of them was my competitor in Portland that did an apartment okay. magazine. Okay. But to make a long story short, um, we went from uh, doing two books to having magazines all over the country. It's crazy. I think it's interesting, Brad, because I I always thought that you, because of your background, I always thought you that was the vision from the beginning, and it wasn't. No. See, that's interesting to me. No. That's really interesting. It it, it also it 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 definitely comforts me in a way. It sound may sound a little weird because you know you I don't. I think sometimes we get, as entrepreneurs, we think we have to know exactly, hey, here's what's going to happen. I need a five-year, a 10-year, a 15-year vision. And, and I mean, what do you say to that? Do, it, is is well, that something you have to have? Here, here's the deal. We learned, we learned a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of, we made, my, my book that I wrote, is all about mistakes. Okay. 
it, it is like every learning lesson that an entrepreneur doesn't want to make. It, it is really, it's like, if you want to start a business, read my book because I'm going to tell you, you'll, it'll help you prevent making the mistakes that we yeah. made. Yeah, that makes sense. Down to, down to everything. But, but we took all the principles and all the mistakes that we learned in the journey of opening the magazines yeah. and in the retail business. And I applied those principles when we started to expand LHM. When you started to do the distributorships. Right, right. right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, to me, part of running an organization is leading by example yeah. and having the right culture, as we discussed yesterday, mm -hmm. and um, making the people that are part of your organization have a voice. Yeah. You know, that's why it took it's important. That's why it took a year to do our website because yeah. everybody had to give me their <laughs> two cents of what we should do. That was a lot of two cents. Now you you touched on something that I think is really important. Um you you touched on people, right? right. And you're a big fan of the show The Profit. We talk about that a lot, right? The Profit, uh, 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 the, the entrepreneur Mar show. Marcus, yeah. Yeah, well, Marcus Lamone, right? right? Yeah. Right. So, I, I, and I know that's your favorite show, and he talks about the three things, people, process, and product, right? So, of those three, thinking about as it relates to Luxury Home Magazine, I, I think I might know your answer, but what was your biggest focus when you started to broaden and, and look for distributorships? Well, as we started to expand, we had to be duplicatable. Right. So I think the, the key component is creating a system. Yeah, that's the process. The system yeah. and, and, and making sure that the, everyone that comes aboard follows the system because we have watched businesses literally fail over the years because people would leave training from major companies. I mean, you know, as you become successful, you study other companies, not your own. And you watch what makes people successful and what doesn't make people successful. And then you watch franchises. And, you know, it's interesting that the there's a common denominator here the people that that start that get a franchise if they follow the system they're going to be successful if they try to deviate from the system reinvent the wheel they're going to struggle yeah and that's true in our business it's true in most other businesses yeah i i have to touch on that just one second because i'll never forget when uh when we went to training and and uh kathy was in the room and you said, okay, we're, we're going to talk about distribution and, and come, come with me. And, you know, Brad, if, if you know Brad, you can understand he is just oozing passion and excitement. He's like, come in here. Let me show you what we're doing. So we walk in this room and there's just boxes everywhere. And inside the boxes are all the magazines with the drop sheets. Oh, yes. And I remember I remember looking at Christina and I remember looking at Brad and Brad's like, listen, Ian, every time an issue comes out, you're going to get every single one of the realtors and you're going to put this drop sheet in and you're going to put it in a box and you're going to deliver it to the top realtors with their name on it. And and I literally and a message, it, and a message. It, right, right. It's a message on the, on the I literally was like, 
there is no way. There's no way. I don't. I don't. I don't see that being possible. And well, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was the smartest thing we ever did. We did it. But I, I think that's part of. That's part of you know. Part of the don't re, that's part of the system. Part of the system. Don't reinvent the wheel. We did it from day one, and once we did it, and we started seeing the results of people calling us from that, you know, drop sheet, uh, we realized like you know now we've got it down to because of Matthew, uh, um, we now have it down uh, to a science to where if they're an advertiser, their sheet they get one message. And if they're not an advertiser, they get a different message. And it's completely interchangeable. And it all is with variable printing. We can now do that, which is so stinking cool. But, you know, as, as much as we want to preach to people, it's about, it's about the system. It goes back to also customer service. Right. And <clears throat> when my wife and I first moved to Portland, after our book, our first magazine there was probably within a year, year and a half. Maybe we're at 72 pages. I don't know what it was. It got and is, is it Sacramento or Portland? No, this is in Portland, Portland before LHM. Before LHM. Oh, got it. So this was in 1996. Our first magazine is doing really well. And uh, I got really sick. Mm. I almost died. You told me the story. Yeah, and and uh, as a matter of fact, I was so sick that my mother, my grandfather passed away, my other grandfather, my dad's dad, and my mother didn't go to the funeral. She came to help Kathy with the kids, mm. and uh, so Kathy could, uh, you know, try to continue to do the magazine because... At first, we didn't work together completely. She worked. She was a registered nurse, so she right. was maintaining her license, helping me part time. But let me tell you, talk about customer service. Our customers came to our home to help Kathy put together an issue. Wow! And in those days, you were typing your copy on a word processor. Yeah, and you Scary. were and you were taking photos and shooting them, uh, taking photos of photos because there was not digital photography at the time. Right. And uh, when we got camera ready ads, they were on film. They oh weren't. Goodness. They weren't coming in as uh, yeah. uh, no PDFs. No, no. <laughs> so, but the our clients came to our home and helped Kathy put that magazine together. That's so cool. And when I turned 40, Kathy had a surprise birthday party for me. And I'm coming home and opening the door and all of our clients were there wow. on a Saturday. Every one of them. And these were the, 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 the big, you know, the big the, the customers that had the first position, the back page. Yeah. And I just thought, boy, for them to take time out of their busy schedule, yeah. that was awesome. You did something right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we're gonna we're gonna transition, um, and we're gonna talk about the book. Um, okay. I'm super excited. I I you know I can't read it yet because it's 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 coming. It's coming. But um, in the book, he's he's actually got it right here in front of me. I do I, have it. I, I, got, think, I got the I got the manuscript. 
I think what we're going to need to do, Brad, uh, a I game. almost brought you an actual book. Really? So what they do is when it gets to this point, they produce, it's called an ARC. Okay. So what they do is even though there's still modifications made, they print X amount of copies and then they take these copies and they sell them out to all the distribution channels. Okay. Barnes and Noble, yeah. Target, Walmart, Books a Million, whatever it is. Yeah. So if I was coming next week, I would have literally been able to bring you an actual book. Oh, man. I think what we should do, Gabe, is distract him at some point, maybe during lunch. And we just, we just grab the manuscript. I think that's what we should do. Maybe. <laughs> okay, let's get into the book. So uh, Intentional Success. And the, I, the power I, of entrepreneurship. The power of entrepreneurship. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm excited for you, Brad. I'm so excited for you because you go through in the book and you talk about the 12 intangibles, but I really only want to focus on That's one. That's chapter one. Okay. I only want to focus you, on you one. You forgot to tell everyone that you wrote the foreword of the book. I, you know what? I, I, that was an honor. And, and it, at first I have to tell you, it was almost a joke because Tomas said, if you ever write a book, I'd like to write the foreword of the book. Yeah. I, and so yeah. one day I called Tomas up and I said, do you want to write the foreword of my book? Yeah. And I can't think of a better person that wrote the foreword of you. my book. Thank you. I actually reread re -read that today in the office out loud. And I was like, wow. Did, like, I, did I write this? Did I write that? <laughs> I think they fixed it up a little and, bit. And, and the book started out, I, I, you know, the funny thing is when I, people would tell me in Portland, you should write a book. Right. So every time we would take a cruise, I would write little notes about, maybe I'm going to write a book. Yeah. And it was only in the last four years that I got serious about writing the book. Okay. Putting my thoughts down and meeting with one of my mentors in uh, Sacramento uh, that is very successful. He's a motivational speaker, and he kind of coached me through what I should do, who I should talk to. That's all. So this, this has been a, in process for, you'd say, four years? Yeah, but, but it's but only the serious. Last, it's only last two years. Last year, okay, fair enough. So it was on my bucket list of things to do before I die. Okay, I like that. I like that. Now, here's what I want to <clears throat> what I touch on is, you know, uh, tell me how hard has it been to actually go through this process? This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Even on this top was, of starting a magazine, this was harder. It would be easy to start a magazine, no matter where than wow. to do this. I don't think anybody, I think the second one would be a lot easier. Right. And they always say your first book is the worst book you ever write, but right. it was, uh, it was a real experience, especially when you get the first manuscript back and there's thousands of corrections. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, tell me about the process. Like, what did you learn throughout the process of writing this book? I have no words for that. <laughs> it's like too much. It's like it's like it's like I I can see someone literally locking themselves going somewhere and for a week or two weeks just not talking to anyone. That's really what you need to do. Wow. You 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 really can't do it. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a tough thing. Fair enough. All right. So one of them uh, uh, one of the 12 intangibles is passion. And 
you know, every time I see this word, I think of Brad. If you if you know Brad, as I said earlier, Brad oozes passion. And so my question is, is what has been the driver of that passion for you, Brad? Yeah, but I've always had passion. I'm I kinda, know. I'm kind of like, what really my compliments my wife and I is that she's more laid back and I'm more, you know, passionate. I'm passionate about what I do. As a about matter of everything. Fact, as a matter of fact, realtors will, will, will used to say to Kathy, she said, boy, I, I, we're in the book today because of Brad and his passion for what he does. But I think you have to have passion in what you're doing. Passion is, is, it's a huge part of your success. It really is. Are we almost out of time? No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Passion is, you know, it, in, in the sales arena, passion is very important. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think having passion in general is, is, is huge. Do you think that, you know, there, there's obviously, you know, there's a, there are a lot of people who um, are on social media, you know, the big social media people who, who talk about this, you know, find what you're passionate about and do it, right? right? There's this, you know, the idea of you got to do what you love and then, you know, go after it. And, and you know, find, I guess, you know, you should have a passion for it. What are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. This is not in my notes, but I'm just curious what you think about that idea. Well, I'm a big believer in loving what you do. Okay. But I've also been an entrepreneur most of my life. And the hardest thing when my wife and I got married was she was raised in a family that you put in so many hours and you get paid so much money. And then she married me. Yay. <laughs> and her life changed. As a matter of fact, she has a whole, she wrote a whole two pages in the book about marrying an entrepreneur. And uh, it's a, it was a, it was a mindset change. Right. Me. Yeah. Because I am a little bit of a risk taker, but not as big as people would think. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, there's people over the years have said that, you know, they wish they would have pursued their dream. Right. And uh, taking a chance is better than, you know, not trying. But for me, I try to put passion in everything I do. Yeah. And I've always told my kids, you know, your attitude is everything. Right. You know, your, your attitude will dictate your success. Mm -hmm. You hang around negative people, you're going to be negative. You hang around positive people, you're going to be positive. And what you listen to, you know, truly um, is, your, is your, you know, if you listen to negative people, you're going to be negative and you're not going to have that positiveness. I always harass my father-in-law because he listens to news a lot. And I say, <laughs> all you're doing is listening to all this negative stuff. Every, everything is about my father-in-law. The poor guy. I literally harass him every day. That's all right, but he has a 50th edition Corvette in his garage. He does. Yeah, I know that story. That's a great story. He does. He does. Uh, I bought that Corvette after I had some success. And uh, when he would come visit us in Portland, he loved driving that Corvette. And when we moved to Sacramento, um, 
I wasn't driving it the first couple of years because I was so busy. And he retired. Um, and uh, I said to my wife, I'm going to ship that Corvette to, to Florida and we're going to give it to him. So, um, so the, I, I checked out this trailer came, we loaded the Corvette up on the trailer. It, it arrived at my friend's house, who's a custom home builder in Sarasota. And, uh, I flew to Sarasota about two weeks later and he didn't know I was coming. And, uh, my friend who is a custom home builder, he's friends with my in-laws. So they met at a Japanese steakhouse and, uh, I pull up in the Corvette as they're at the entrance of the, and he goes, what are you doing here? What's your car doing here? Mm -hmm. And he had just bought me new mats for this car. This car only had like 2000 miles on it. <laughs> I mean, this car, I searched it's everywhere. Brand new. I searched everywhere for this car because it was the 50th anniversary at the time. Now it's like a classic antique. But anyway, he says, what are you doing here? I says, I went to, I wanted to bring you your car for your retirement. And I'm gonna tell you, giving him that car, to this day, that is true success. Yeah. Because I accomplished something that he told me I was gonna fail at. Yeah. And I'd be back in six months. Right. And before we sent the Corvette to him, all the kids wrote with a Sharpie, permanent marker, yeah. in the back of the car, when you lift up, we all wrote a note. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's super to this cool. day, he still has a car. That's super cool. That's a great story. Great story. Talking about the fear, I have to t give you one little quickie yeah. on this. So my friend who's the custom home builder, um, very successful, and um, he's, he decided to get his license to fly airplanes. So before he bought his airplane, he would rent airplanes. So one day... I was down there and he says, hey, let's go flying. And I'm going, oh crap, the guy just got his license and we're gonna go fly. So we went to the airport and my one son uh, and I got in the airplane and I'm in the front and he's in the front and we take off. We were above the Gulf. All you could see was the nice blue water. And the engine had a problem. The oil was spewing all over the windshield. The dashboard on this plane was had was sh the plane was shaking so bad the dashboard was on my lap. Oh my goodness! And all I thought was, "We're dead. Yeah. We're dying. We're gonna we're going in the Gulf." Yeah. The plane is literally shaking to the point. The engine is the oil is all over the the windshield. We made an emergency landing. We landed, and when we landed, they said to the my friend. And they said, uh, we need to talk to you because we had to put all the other airlines on hold to get you to land it. And let me tell you, it took a lot in me to get back in the plane. <laughs> I bet. And the next time I, we went in a plane with him, we were at a magazine convention in, in Miami. And he picked us up and he flew us to Sarasota. Oh, in wow. His new plane. Yeah. So. It had uh, plenty of oil. No oil leaks. But I'm going to tell you, that was, uh, talking about fear, 
it took a lot for me to get back in that plane. I would imagine it yeah. would. All right, so I, so I, you know, we talked about passion. We t- you talk about your book. I, I think the last thing I want to mention about the book, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here is, you know, now that you've you've gone through the process, you're about to finalize. What's gonna be coming next with this book, the book launch? What's next? Boy, you just want to know all this stuff, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna we're starting to. Uh, what I'm doing is I am interviewing entrepreneurs, professionals, motivational speakers. And in about a month, we're going to start to uh, prepare to, you know, launch the book. Nice. And uh, I'm, I'm really honored to have people like yourself and others support my journey and, uh, <clears throat> and venture in the execution of this book, you know, getting it launched. Um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be the next journey in my life, I guess you could say. So the, so you'll be, the book will be launched this year. The book is coming out in, uh, January, 2019. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's exciting. Brad. You can all, you can already pre-order it. I like it on, uh, Amazon or whatever. Right. I like it. All right. So now we're going to move into the last phase. Okay. So I read a book um, and I'm reading it. It's, it's, it's a monster. It's called Tribe of Mentors. Okay. It's Tim Ferriss. And what he does in this book is he, he asks these questions. It's like 11 questions to entrepreneurs, um, people, experts in their field. And he wanted to kind of just get all of this information into one book. And there's 11 different questions. I'm not going to ask you all 11, but I picked three specifically for Brad from this list. Um, You're a big reader, okay? We've exchanged a lot of books over time. And um, I'm curious, what is the book that you've given away the most as a gift and why? Well, recently, it's uh, The Energy Bus. Oh, interesting. By John Gordon. Okay, and my daughter, who's a teacher, gave it to me for a birthday present. And I love listening to books on audio, if I can, Yep. when the author reads them. Um, and recently, when I went to Oregon to visit my one son, I re-listened to that uh, book. But I really like the principles that, that he talks about in the story. Um, because I can so relate to it because it's about passion, you know, culture, customer service, treating the, treating, you know, treating people with respect as a leader. Um, so that's one of my favorite books. I like it. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yep. I have not read it yet, but I've heard a lot about that book. Yeah. A lot about it. All, All right, right. Next question. Okay, go ahead. You ready? Yeah. All right. Tell me about a time where failure actually set up a success well i try to learn every mistake i made is a learning lesson and in business you're going to make more mistakes than you will ever have success in because it's like when we set up our training manual for uh lhm in the olden days, it was all in paper. Remember the 500-page? Oh, I do. I have we, them all we, in the we office. Don't, we don't use that anymore. But um, 50% of the training manual was mistakes. Yeah. But for me, every mistake is a learning lesson. And I think that that's what makes you a better person. Um, learning from your mistakes 
learning why the mistake was made and doing your best to never go down that road again. Yeah. No matter what it is, whether it's financial or business related or personal related, um, you have to be willing to learn from your mistakes and, uh, and, uh, apply those, you know, yeah. Was there any particular one that you look back on where you were like, man, I, that was a failure, right? I, wow, I, I, I blew it. Yeah. And, but it turned into a success. Anything particular that pops out? Well, I probably shouldn't tell this one. Should I tell this one? I don't know. Right. <laughs> so <clears throat> after we had our, we had all our magazines early on before LHM, we had, uh, a publisher that had two very, very successful magazines. And, um, they had to move out of the state because of family issues. And they had somebody that we thought was awesome that had worked for them for multiple years. And uh, instead of looking for someone else to take over the, the magazines, we thought, why not just let them take over the magazines? They knew the clients, they knew the, the production end, they knew everything. Mm -hmm. And the biggest mistake we made is we, as much as we knew them, we were aware of them. They had, uh, you know, the previous publisher thought very highly of them. We didn't do a background check on them. Uh. And it turned out that um, this particular person had a rap sheet. Right. Uh, and you didn't know. No, he was, yeah. a, he was a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the the uh, our clients found out about it, and it was catastrophic. Yeah. So the one learning lesson is: no matter how well you know someone, yeah, you know, research that person. Right. And this was pre-social media. Right. So you know, but yeah, that was that was that's a that tough really one to learn because it, it was a very costly mistake. So last question. All right. Go ahead. What is something unusual that you love that others may not know? Something that, that you enjoy that maybe other people may not know about you? Well, one of the things that my wife and I want to start to do is spend more time with our family. Okay. And um, I have two daughter-in-laws and two son-in-laws now. And we have uh, grandchildren. Nice. And we want to start spending time with the grandkids. Yeah. Um, something that my dad used to do and that I really want to do. So I think my passion right now down the road is to spend more time with the grandkids. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's hard because I have a lot of kids. And so, you know, I try to take time to hang out with them and whatnot. But... I really want to spend time with the grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So that might not be the answer you want to hear. But. Well, I mean, well, I just, I'm thinking, is there, is there something that, you know, people don't know about you? That I like gardening. You do? Yeah. I didn't know that. I plant a garden every year. Get out of here. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I used to grow punk. I, I grow pumpkins and I used to, when my dad was still around, I would send him a pumpkin every year <laughs> and, out. and you could have bought that pumpkin for like a quarter of the price, it just to, to ship that pumpkin cost more than the pumpkin would have right. cost. Right. But it was a thought of me sending him, you know. Something, something that, that you grew out right, of your garden. Right. So, so what else do you grow? Well, we 
would grow uh, tomatoes. And I used to grow corn, but I stopped growing corn. I like to put it in the front of the house but for uh, for Halloween, but... That's hysterical, Brett. I never knew that. Peppers, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so so I mean that's just something I It's a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah. It's I like something it. Something I like doing. Well, listen, I, I want to thank you, Brad, uh, for being on TM3 Impact, for coming to San Antonio. It's, it's stinking awesome. It's always good to see you, my friend. Um, we are gonna have this on YouTube, we're gonna have this on iTunes, Stitcher. Everywhere you can think of SoundCloud, we're going to have this up. And uh, it's going to, I think it's going to bring a lot of value um, to publishers of Luxury Home Magazine. Um, but I also think it's going to bring value to other entrepreneurs, um, people that have taken a risk like we have, and to do something beyond where they ever thought they'd be, and so that they can learn from where you were. Just the, the one thing I want to leave with is don't let friends and family dictate your success mm. in other words don't let people you know talk you out of something that you really want to do because yeah. you're going to regret down the road um the decision you could have made but you chose not to make i you know what i think that's uh that is critical because there are so many people out there that want to do something awesome but they're afraid of what their parents are going to say or they're afraid their parents are going to say, you can't do it. I think you're absolutely right. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for your dreams. Yeah, that's awesome. Brad, I appreciate you. Thank you so much again. Be looking out for this on on iTunes, on uh, podcasts, and YouTube, Stitcher, everywhere else. We appreciate you, Brad. You're awesome. Take care. Thank you.